You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I will be your host this evening. And joining me tonight, I've got both of them. I've got both the Haney's tonight. I've got the correspondent at large himself, Graham Haney, and the Reddit extraordinaire, Chase Haney. Guys, how we doing? And are we ready to talk a little SEC East? Hey, doing well. Graham, how about you? How are things in Tennessee? Hey, making it big, living large, having a good time doing it. So, Glad to be back with the guys, back with Pod. SEC East Country right there. That's right. It is SEC East Country, and what a segue that was, Chase. We are going to be talking about the SEC East tonight. We talked about the West last week, and we even broke down the Alabama Crimson Tide. So if you haven't checked out those two podcasts slash videos, please go over to our YouTube channel and give us a subscribe, hit that notification bell, give us a like, give us a comment. And uh, we're putting out content weekly, so we appreciate all the support we have gotten. Um, I think the four videos we put out on YouTube combined with our podcast are some of the highest we've ever had. So we appreciate um, that support, and it really encourages us to keep going. I mean, we're going to keep doing it anyway because we love talking with one another about football, but we do appreciate you listening. Now, guys, let's get to the nitty-gritty, which is the SEC East. So... It's very much like the West in that I think there's a clear number one at the top, and that is Georgia, the defending national champions who lost a lot. They had 15 draft picks taken in the 2021 draft, a draft record um, that had not that had stood, I think, since like 2002 Miami, which we all know how stacked those teams were with Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. So – Georgia is losing a lot, especially defensively. I mean, you've got N'Kobe Dean gone. Trayvon Walker, number one pick, gone. Um, Channing Tindall, gone. Jordan Davis, gone. Um, I mean, they, they lost a lot. They Lewis Seen, another first-round pick, gone. So, I mean, <laughs> they're hurting on the defensive end as far as experience. Now, does, that does not mean they are devoid of talent. But the experience that they had on that side of the ball that made them so effective, a lot of it is gone. Now, they are returning Jalen Carter. Hey, Duncan. Um, They are (laughs) returning Nolan Smith on the outside. They're returning uh, Kelly Ringo, star cornerback. Um, But other than that, there's a lot of unproven names that probably a lot of Georgia fans know, but the average fan does not because they just just haven't had the opportunity to get on the field and contribute because of how – elite their defense was last year. Now, on offense, you got Stetson Bennett back, um, the mailman, as they call him, coming back for, I believe, his third year starting. Um, I thought he had a very solid year last year, didn't lose in ball games, managed their way, managed his way to a national championship game, even made some big throws in that game, um, especially that one deep downfield in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, to I think hit, hit number six over um, Kyrie Jackson. I mean, really impressive throw by him. They're returning arguably the best tight end room 
um, in the country and in recent college football memory with Brock Bowers, who's a freakazoid, Darnell Washington, and then Eric Gilbert, who, if you remember, when our first pod, as the well, when we were the Trojan Tailgate podcast, but um, we picked uh, breakout players, and Eric Gilbert at LSU was my number one offensive breakout player in the SEC, him and Will Anderson. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Gilbert has yet to really break out. So maybe this is the year where he gets – Or get in. (laughs) Um, Maybe this is the year where he kind of um, establishes himself as a household name in college football. He's had a lot of off-the-field issues, um, but maybe his mind and his body are right and he's ready to contribute. Um, A receiver, they've got Kyrus Jackson, who's a senior, very solid player. Lad McConkie, um, who – you know, he was a nice player for them last year. I don't think they have elite talent on the outside. Um, running back, they've got uh, Kenny McIntosh coming back. Really like him as a player. Kendall Milton, another player um, that I think he's going to be a junior this year. Um, but they are lacking a little bit of depth in that running back room just from um, some injuries that they sustained in fall camp. Um, but Georgia is always going to be a run-first team until Kirby Smart proves me otherwise and actually evolves his offense into more of a spread pro hybrid because um, it's very much smash mouth. Um, now that they have evolved a little bit over the past few years with Todd Munkin at the helm, kind of calling plays and coordinate that offense. But George is going to be a really good team. And I think they're clearly the number one team in the East, like Alabama in the West, they're head and shoulders above everyone else. But the conversation to me starts when we get to talking about who the second best team in the SEC East is. So, Graham, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think that team is? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you that there is a clear number one team, and that is Georgia. But unlike the West, the SEC East to me is tiered. There's several there's, – there's one team that's the best, Georgia. Then there's several teams that are – up there in contention, Kentucky, Tennessee, maybe in South Carolina if they take a step forward. We know we've heard a lot of heat from Kentucky, but I think the second-best team in the East has to be Tennessee. I think with Josh Heupel's offense, Hendon Hooker at quarterback, when he's healthy, that Tennessee offense is going to be hard to stop. And when you look at it, Vanderbilt, not a whole lot, not a whole lot better. I mean, And I would know because I'm close to them. Florida, I mean, I think this is a rebuilding year for them. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's going to take some time to make adjustments, getting new coaching staff in, getting players ready to go. But Tennessee outperformed, I would say, most people's expectations last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Tennessee was putting up 60 points, you know, mm-hmm. regularly. They were they – were, uh, that typical NASCAR offense. And I, I think that when you look at it, Tennessee's returning most of their production from last year. Like I said, if Hendon Hooker, if Hendon Hooker is healthy, the Triple H's, then Tennessee's going to be nasty. Tennessee will have uh, its identity, throwing the football, and they're going to make a lot of noise in the SEC East. Chase, I want to hear who, who you think is that, that second-best team. Are you going with uh, Kentucky or maybe uh, – Spencer Rattler and South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, and I think that I think you're pretty wise to say, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, it, it makes sense for them to probably take that step, get in contention. Who's going to win that second spot? So I think you're really wise to say that. I don't think that that's anything that 
really anybody would disagree with. I think that what I could see happening is this division, this part of like this division always seems to have that. Hey, there was that team that was supposed to and then didn't. They like dropped a game they weren't supposed to drop, and then all of a sudden, some the Mizzou sneaks in, the somebody else sneaks in. I I will say that I am excited about this South Carolina team, and it I you know for the sake of the pod and and I know this is a hot take. I think that this team has the makeup to win that number two spot by just how they have – I think that Shane Beamer has done a fantastic job coming in there, casting vision for what he wants to see his program become and what he's willing to do to get it there. I think you see this with the recruiting that's starting to just kind of snowball. I think that the players are picking up on what he is trying to – again, what he's trying to cast there. Because like you said, you've got Georgia there who runs this kind of smash mouth. And I think that what you're seeing in this division are the Tennessee's the Kentuckys, these teams that the Missouri, the teams that are like, hey, you know, we're going to kind of almost go to that, not like a Big 12 football, but just like we're going to throw the ball a ton and we're going to like build this on offense because Georgia's going to probably out recruit us on the defensive front. So I like their approach. I think that in a sense, if you believe in momentum, I would say that South Carolina, they have a couple of favored ma- matchups. Um, favorable matchups at home. They play Tennessee at home. They play Missouri at home. They play A and M at home. Um, they Georgia have, at home. Georgia at home. They they've got to be careful with. I, it really stinks. They play Arkansas right off the right off the gun the second yeah. week. But that's kind of the thing. Is it's like I, if you're talking about that number two team, they're not winning out. They're 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 dropping one of those games, and it's like all right, if we drop, you know, we drop Georgia and Arkansas. But then we, you know, we're better than Florida. We're, we can we can grab Kentucky. You know, whenever they come, we, when we go to Kentucky, we beat Tennessee. Like I know we're that sounds really good in theory, but that's just kind of a team that I think could be sneakily. Just all of a sudden, we look up and man, South Carolina's playing a, a fun brand of football, mm-hmm. and they've won one game they're not supposed to win, and then they got some home matchups that that go their way. Hampton, what do you think? There's plenty of teams right up there that make sense at number two. Who do you think actually comes away with it come the end of the season? Well, I like both of your picks. I like South Carolina for all the reasons you mentioned. I'm a big Shane Beamer fan. Casting the vision, creating a culture, being able to recruit at the level he has, um, I think he's done fantastic to make a bowl game without having a really uh, solid quarterback. I mean, he was playing a wide receiver at quarterback, walk-ons from off the street last year, and they still made a bowl game. They beat Auburn at the end of the year. Um, and then they spanked North Carolina um, in mm-hmm. that Mayo Bowl. So I'm really impressed with him. I think Spencer Rattler is going to have a really good year. I think him – I think Shane Beamer is going to be able to foster a relationship with him that allows him to be himself, allows him to grow and maybe mature a little bit because for some reason – and it might be on Rattler and it might be on Lincoln Riley, but those two didn't click. Um, and I think – Beamer was there at Oklahoma, I believe, when Radler came initially to Oklahoma. So they got that, you know, previous relationship. And I think he's going to be instrumental uh, to his development. I think defensively they're going to be well coached. Um, I think they've got a really good tight end uh, who's going to contribute to them or contribute for them. Um, I think they'll have a good running game. My issue with them is they lack depth, and that has nothing to do 
with the job Shane Beamer's done, but it's his second year on the job. And it takes a while. It takes a few recruiting cycles to build the depth you need in the trenches on the offensive line and defensive line to win in this league. And with that schedule you talked about, I mean, first game's a gimme, but then you play at Arkansas, like you mentioned. I think that's an L. Georgia at home, I know um, a lot of people are picking them to pull the upset there. I just don't quite see it. I think it could be a dangerous game for Georgia, but um, I just don't see them um, beating them in week three. Then you go at Kentucky, uh, A&M, Missouri, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson. Um, I mean, it's a difficult schedule, and I just think a few injuries here or there is going to be um, just very detrimental to that team. So they're not going to be my number two, but I will talk about them in another aspect later in the show. Um, they're a pick of mine for something else that we're going to discuss. Um, for Tennessee, love your analysis, Graham. Hendon Hooker, elite, top three quarterback in the SEC. I mean, I don't think people realize last year he had 30 touchdowns and three picks, um, threw for over 3,500 yards, I believe, um, was really effective in that hypo offense. And I don't even believe he started the year. I think they started the year with Joe Milton, the transfer from Michigan. So Hooker didn't even really get in there until game two or three. And then that train got rolling. I remember they went to Missouri and blew the doors off them. Um, so their offense is going to be high-flying. You've got Cedric Tillman, a receiver, who's a really good player. He's on the Blitnikoff watch list. You've got Brew McCoy from USC, the transfer, who's really talented, who um, the eligibility issues with him are kind of odd. Um, and I, I think not very clear as to whether he's going to be um, able to fully play this year because I know – USC was kind of causing a little bit of a ruckus with him um, transferring there. But if he plays, that adds another element of their offense. Um, they've got their starting tailback back from last year. Um, and they're not going to run the ball a lot, but they're going to run the ball just enough to kind of keep you honest. And when they go hurry up, going to be able to do it and catch you. Um, you know, your defense is not going to be aligned. And they can get, you know, quick, almost cheap, cheap, um, four to five yard games, and then that sets up the pass. And um, so I think they're going to be dynamic from that. Defensively, um, that's where I draw the line, and I just don't think they're going to be very good again this year. Do I think they'll be better than last year? Sure. Doesn't take much to be much worse than they were last year. But at some point in this league, you got to be able to stop people. You can't just outscore your way to second in the in the East. So – that is why my pick is going to be the same pick I had last year, the Kentucky Wildcats. Mark Stoops is a top three coach in this league. I think it's him, or I think it's uh, Nick, uh, Kirby, then him. I think I think that highly of Mark Stoops and the culture um, he's been able to build, and no one's done more with less than him at Kentucky, where his counterpart, John Calipari, has done less with more than anybody um, in Division One sports, in my opinion. Um, I think Will Levis is going to take a huge leap. And my big worry with them this year is wide receiver. I think they lost Josh Ali. They lost Wondell Robinson, who was the number one target last year. So I'm, you know, I'm anxious to see kind of who steps up in their place to give Will Levis a good target um, or some targets to throw the ball and really stretch the ball downfield. We know they're going to be able to run the ball. Graham, you and I talked about that 
in our last episode, they've always been able to run the ball. Um, even though Chris Rodriguez, their star running back, is suspended uh, the first three to four games of the year. Um, that's a little worrisome for me, but they've got a transfer coming in that I think is going to do an effective job for them. And then defensively, I think they're going to be solid, well-coached, as they always are. Um, and they always seem to have one or two players that come out of nowhere that you hadn't heard of before the season starts, but by midway um, they start making plays and become all SEC type guys by the end of the year. So Kentucky is my number two. Before we move on, I kind of want to um, kick it back to you, Graham. What do you think of Kentucky going in this year? And do you agree that they can still challenge for that number two spot despite losing um, some key contributors on offense? Yeah, I, d- I definitely think they can still, uh, you know, play down for down with, uh, with Georgia if they you know, play their cards right. I think that a second, a returning Will Levis will uh, hopefully make strides in getting better. There's, you know, even some mock drafts that had him going uh, first overall, which it could be laughable. But uh, I think that Kentucky Hampton, like you said, they always have guys, especially on defense, that you're like, I just don't know who their star is on defense. And you get to week 10, you're like, man, this guy's got, he, he's got 100 tackles already. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just all over the field. And, it just always seems to be that that, and then there's an offensive lineman. They're like this. This guy's just a baller. You know, it was uh, Sternberg a few years ago. It's like you know, this guy's just nasty. And so I think that uh, Kentucky. You know, it hurts that Chris Rodriguez will be suspended, but we know that it doesn't take uh, a star running back for them to get yardage, make plays, get a first down, and move on. I think that mm-hmm. Kentucky's system will live out will be fine. It'll be one of those things where it might work out okay. That means we got a healthy Chris Rodriguez coming back week five, week six, ready to take on teams like uh, you know Georgia and South Carolina and Florida, you know, eventually. You know, I don't know what their schedule looks like. But, you know, you're going to play most of those dogs later on in the year. And so you'll have him back fully healthy, ready to go. And, uh, yeah, I-, I think you're totally right on that, Hampton. Kentucky is one of those teams that well, I think we know what we're going to get out of Kentucky, mm-hmm. and that's why I was a little bit uh, higher on Tennessee because I could see the flashes of like excellence almost mm-hmm. in their offense, and I could see if they make another step like they did last year, I could see Tennessee being that second-best team. Whereas we know with Kentucky, Kentucky's going to be – they're going to be 9-3, 10-2, 8-4, and to me, I was looking for a team. Who's the team in the SEC that might could be 11-1 and one, and their only loss be to Georgia? And that's why I kind of thought of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And one more point I want to make on Kentucky before I kick it back to Chase. Well, actually, two points. They get Georgia at home this year, which I think is huge. Um, so they're going to be able to spring the upset on them, potentially have the home crowd advantage and all that. One thing, another thing I want to note, though, they're losing 3-0 linemen from last year. That's something to monitor. Now, they got a kid from um, – I think he played at IMG last year, Keontae Goodwin, mm-hmm. and he's a really impressive player, five-star guy. If he comes in and is able to secure one of those three spots, upside out of the wazoo. I think that can um, play um, a big benefit, benefit for them kind of going into the year. Chase, what are your thoughts on Kentucky? And I think that, that Kentucky's one of those teams that does not fall into the category like a lot of these SEC East teams of 
they are trying to build something. Kentucky is now reaping what they've been sowing over the past, I mean, just years and years of work of being that like almost laughing stock of Vanderbilt. Like they just never had even the year to hang their hat on. And man, they're just getting a chance to sit back and, and again, they're working hard, but like you said, they're, they're not taking, they're not, they're still not really getting that five-star guy. They're getting the three-star that they're developing Mm -hmm. into like, like turning them into NFL quality players. Like you said, all SEC, um, which is really, really impressive. I think that that's, like you said, is that coaching job more impressive than the, hey, you go to LSU and mm-hmm. not like, I mean, of course, you win a national championship. That's impressive. But when you're getting five-star recruits, then the outcome is, you know, is pretty up in the clouds of what you can do there. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking dynasty level. And I think that Stoops is getting to the point where yeah, it comes down to, Graham, like you said, can he put together one of those, hey, we this year we won every game except for when we played Georgia. We mm-hmm. lost that one. But then it's like, when are we taking that step of – it would be awesome if it was this year where they put together that season of, hey, Georgia graduated a lot of talent, and this is the year mm-hmm. – and it might be one of those things that when you're playing the game, they are taking three stars, turning them into great players. Mm-hmm. you got to catch Georgia at one of those kind of seasons that they're not as good. I think this could be one of those years. I think that you, I think Kentucky, why not us, you know? Mm-hmm. If not now, when? If not this yeah, year, if yeah. this year is not the year that you beat Georgia, when are you going to do it? Yes. I want to say that they're going to beat beat Georgia, but I need to kind of see it play out and how Georgia maybe evolves on offense. If they become a little more high-flying on offense, a little more explosive to compensate for the lack of experience they have on defense, my mind might change. Um, but I, I like Kentucky. I think Will Levis is going to make a huge leap. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do this year. Graham, you got anything else on on Kentucky? I just looked at their schedule, and uh, Kentucky and Georgia played the second last week of the year. So we should get both these teams when they're playing their best ball. I mean, that, we know that's what good teams do. They play best at the end of the year. Um, so we're, you know, we will be able to have time to see um, how Georgia stays along the year. What does Kentucky do? with replacing guys. And so I feel like we'll have a pretty good, uh, you know, not guess, but we'll have, we'll have a pretty good prediction of uh, how this game's going to go, you know, by week five. If we know we're gonna, they're going to play at the end of the year, we're going to be able to know whether, uh, you know, this might be a year that Kentucky could take them on. If not, then Georgia will still reign supreme. Hey, mm-hmm. Graham, kind of like what, what, what we were talking about. It's like, hey, do, you know, Kentucky, do they have the better quarterback? Like, they finally have kind of their guy. Mm-hmm. It's not this year. Graham, is this kind of one of those things? Let's say that they that they still lose to Georgia this year. Where does the Stoops train go from this? Is it like, hey, we're looking for this guy's job. He's kind of that, like, he can't get – he can't take the next step. We're looking for the guy who can. Not that they're running him out the door, but is this is this the peak of his career, like, this season and what he does this season – or is the best still yet to come? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's – Will Levis has the tools to be a great quarterback, potentially even a first-round quarterback. I mean, he's got uh, the mobility to, to extend plays. He's got the arm to make the like throws necessary. But uh, one thing that I forgot about Tennessee, uh, Kentucky this whole time is uh, their offensive coordinator last year went back to the Rams uh, to be the OC. Liam uh, Cohen. 
Yeah, so he is not there, and uh, they hired uh, Rich Gran Scrangello, something like that. It's pretty bad. Who's that? Yeah, <laughs> never heard of him. Uh, For the family. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what I'm saying, hey. Yeah. <laughs> for the family. <laughs> so I think that'll be that'll you know that'll really show uh Will Levis's ability to adapt and change and uh even show his pro potential more than it might his college potential. What can he do in one off season changing coaches and perform that next year? I think it would have been big for him to keep Liam Cohen around, but uh obviously the the grass is greener on the other side, so uh we will uh, we'll definitely keep track of Will Levis. Well, and I think his uh, banana and mayo and his mayo craze could maybe make a huge jump this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really add to his production on the field. That is the grossest thing <laughs> I think I've seen any college athlete do, his obsession with mayonnaise. But I digress. Guys, I think we'll cut it there for um, our talk about the second best team in the SEC East. We'll be back in our next video talking about some sleeper teams, maybe the rest of the East, the bottom three, who we think can be the best out of those. Um, But thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Pigskin Cafe. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media at the Pigskin Cafe. Hit a subscribe button, hit the like button, and hit that notification bell. The Pigskin Cafe will be closed for now. And until next time, chew on that.